This episode is brought to you by Vineyard Sun. Vineyard Sun is a local Austin company that makes quality sunglasses made from sustainable materials. You can see their styles on vineyardsun.com or follow them on Instagram at vineyard underscore sun. Welcome back to the Moon Tower Business Podcast. This is Joseph O'Bell. Today we're speaking to Jonathan Littman and Susanna Camp, the authors of The Entrepreneur's Faces. And we also have uh, Ben Murray. Welcome, Jonathan and Susanna. How are you? We're great. Thanks for having us on the show. Thanks, Joseph. Thanks, Ben. Yeah, we're excited to talk to you. Absolutely. So, so before we kind of get into the book, uh, why don't you both kind of uh, start out by telling us a little bit about your background and professional experiences before uh, releasing this book? Maybe, uh, Susanna, we start with you. Sure. Okay. I'm a tech journalist. I started out early on at Wired Magazine back when we were building one of the first websites in the world. So a lot of very entrepreneurial people there. It was a new magazine, a different magazine. Uh, from the rest. And um, I was doing sort of social media before that existed, building a community there. And I went on to Macworld, PC World, some other tech publications. Then I stepped out of uh, publishing for a while and I went back to school to get a master's in education. And even now I'm still working in education a bit, but much more working with John uh, on the book and on our website, smartup.life. We write about entrepreneurship and innovation. We traveled the world to write this book and um, uh, just really hit it off with each other when we found out early on that we were uh, working for competing Macintosh magazines (laughs) way back in the early days. Yeah, so we... um I started out at a tech magazine and pretty quickly I started writing books. I wrote two really big crazy books about hackers and I actually followed them one crazy weekend to Austin where some of them were actually counterfeiting $20 bills, not a smart thing to do. Uh, I wrote a couple of books um, about Kevin Mitnick and Kevin Polson, crazy hackers. And that strangely led me to work with IDEO. IDEO's a really well-known innovation firm, and I wrote two books with them, Art of Innovation, uh, 10 Faces of Innovation, and then another crazy period where I worked with Playboy uh, for several years. I didn't write about sex. I wrote about sports. <laughs> uh, I actually ended up in Texas again because I, you may, you, uh, Michael Johnson, the famous sprinter, and there's also a guy named Jeremy Warner, Another famous sprinter, both gold medalists. I actually ran with Jeremy Warner in Waco, Texas, through a cemetery. Uh, that, that was one of his training routines. And wow. I, I sort of could keep behind him for a while. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I had these wild experiences. And then um, the world kind of changed for us in San Francisco, I think both for Susanna and I. And we saw things switching from a focus just sort of on big company innovation to startups and to entrepreneurs. And it also shifted to the city, which is I think an interesting thing we'll talk about for Austin as well. So, 
you know, there's sort of a big suburb of Silicon Valley. It's not really one place. There are lots of smaller places. And the younger, hipper entrepreneurs wanted to be in San Francisco. And that's where a lot of the famous companies are now, you know, Airbnb, Uber, Twitter, uh, et cetera. Even the big oldies like Google are there. And we started going to all these crazy events. Um, there we'd go to sometimes, Susanna would go to two a night sometimes. Yeah, it was like networking events and pitch nights and then things where the like European ecosystem builders would be bringing over cohorts of international startup founders and introducing them to the Silicon Valley, like big players, yeah. um, investors and stuff. And so we kind of tapped into that and we started to realize, hey, there's something here. We actually need to find out where these people are coming from and go visit them in their places because this is obviously a worldwide movement in startups and entrepreneurship. Yeah, we wanted to get out of San Francisco and see how this takes shape you know, in other cities. We also realized there were some good books for companies like Lean Startup, you know, Business Model, Canvas, but we wanted something for people, like a, a human-centric model. And we really didn't know what would happen. We just started off on this uh, entrepreneurial journey and we were in 14 countries, some crazy places like, you know, Warsaw and Estonia, Ljubljana, like, <laughs> Ljubljana yeah. Slovenia with uh, crypto dudes. <laughs> uh, and in the end, we found a story. Was this uh, your first book kind of collaborating together or had you guys worked together on other things Yeah, before? definitely. It was my first book at all and John's 10th mm -hmm. book. Uh, but we had written together for three years, years writing yeah. weekly stories about innovation and entrepreneurship. So we had a pretty good track record together and we yeah. knew that we could, we could pull it off for this book. Awesome. Yeah, it was sort of organic. You know, we wrote about a lot of entrepreneurs first, and we started to realize they there were different types. You know, we as we told their stories, and and as we went around the world, we said, oh, you know, there's five types, there's six types, and we ultimately got to ten. I was just gonna ask. So, um, I mean, Joe's got the book right now. I want to read it, and just from what I've kind of seen online and stuff like that. What have, uh, about how long did it take to write the book? It seems like it would take a while to, to travel, but not only that, but to kind of get these uh, individuals, you know, stories and, and kind of see how it pans out. So how long, about how long did it you spend It was a labor it? of love. And it, it was, you know, about two and a half years plus okay. some, you know, production time. Yeah. And we were, we do a lot of workshops and seminars. So, uh, <clears throat> you know, we were working all the time during this, but we wanted to come up with a good model. And the reality is like startups, we did a few pivots you know, mm -hmm. before we found the model that we thought really worked. Uh, unfortunately, uh, a few people ended up on the cutting room floor um, <laughs> because we found that their stories were just, while they were awesome stories, they weren't quite compelling uh, enough, at least in the way that they were telling the stories to us so that we could then tell the stories to the world. And if, you're going to be an entrepreneur and you're going to have people follow you. You really need to learn how to tell your story. Yeah. Which is the evangelist type. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's kind of exactly what I was going to say. Suzanne is, is just, I feel like with this kind of project, it would be more uh, beneficial to you to just collect as much data and talk to as many people as possible and, and really pick out those, those specific people and stories that uh that really shine you know otherwise 
you know, you could miss somebody if you, if you're not trying to talk to as many people as you can and get as many stories as you can. So I'm sure there's probably still some good stuff out there that you could write some <laughs> exactly. side books. Yeah, well, exactly we, right. Had, we, we had a guy in Warsaw that turned into a tremendous success and he felt so guilty because he, he had to pay back his first investors that he only ate potatoes for two years. <laughs> wow. So that was a great story. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, sometimes the logistics of meeting with people yeah, uh, again and again and again and again didn't always pan out. Jonathan, so you're, you're an uh, adjunct professor at the University of San Francisco? Yeah, I teach a class called um, Creativity, Innovation, and Applied Design. And, and Susanna co-taught with me this last uh, fall. We taught an international uh, MBA style international group. Nobody was from the U.S. Actually, there was one student from the U.S. and 23 from other countries. And we also, we we already had this big international focus. And it's partly because so many people the last, you know, eight or nine years come to San Francisco. So we would also do workshops and seminars and we saw, you know, several countries from Europe, um, a lot from China, even um, South Korea, uh, even Latin America. And, and so we always had this international focus and, and they really wanted to come to San Francisco. You know, they were really almost more excited in San Francisco than wherever Silicon Valley is. It's kind of a, you know, it's Mountain View, it's Palo Alto, but they wanted to be in the city. Yeah, it's a super innovative class too. It's it's all about learning by doing. So it's not about reading case studies and writing reports on those. It's about innovating the university, for example, or coming up with a startup idea and pitching, pitching, pitching. And we match them up with also people from our network, from Google, from Stanford, uh, to work on some real life projects. And what do you, what's your experience with your students? I, I mean... People in that environment living in San Francisco near Silicon Valley, are they pretty passionate about innovation and entrepreneurship? Yeah, it, you know, um, the University of San Francisco has been very smart. And I think they're ranked in the top 15 or something for entrepreneurship in the country. And one of the reasons is there are classes like mine, and, and there are several others that are, that are very good, where you really are doing. I think the thing about entrepreneurship is, it's great to read books. It's great to, you know, learn about a topic, but an entrepreneur in our, in our model doesn't just have an awakening. They have this next step, which we call the shift. And we saw a lot of these students doing this sort of shift, both with what we were doing, but taking on entrepreneurship um, sort of roles as um, interns, you know, a lot of them when they were sophomores, and then, you know, having a lot of experience by the time they were seniors. That's great. That's great. So when was the uh, book published? It just came out in um, middle of October. So it's, it's, it's just out. And we've, you know, we had a great response. We just were featured in Inc. Magazine, actually. Um, it was picked up in MSN. Uh, we're in a very cool site. We may write for more. Uh, Startup Nation, which is a pretty big site. Um, and they want us to do more. So, and we're excited to be on your show. We've been, we've awesome. been doing a ton of, uh, ton of podcasts and enjoying it. So, so I wanted to ask too, um, 
Because th- this is kind of one of the things that I mentioned before, and I've mentioned a lot of people, is Joe really likes the business side of things of this podcast, but I really like to hear the, the stories. So I'm really intrigued with the book because, you know, it goes more into, I, I know it's going to teach people about business, but it goes more into the, the people's stories and stuff. And so that made me think when you, when I was looking at the website is there's, you know, 10 different entrepreneurs that you're trying to feature um, or the, the type of people. Did you come up with that beforehand and find the, find the people that fit in there? Or after you interviewed everybody, you were like, hey, this person, you know, is reminds me of this. And that that's how I came up with these 10 type of entrepreneurs. Well, it's interesting. The types really emerged from the people. But since we we landed on those types, and really ex- began to explore and then validate validate those types, we have found, I find now that pretty much anybody I meet uh, who's an entrepreneur, once I start to hear their st- a little bit of their story, I can peg what type of entrepreneur they are mm-hmm. and, um, and see where some of this, their skills might fit into some of the other types. Um, we, we have not designed this so that the types are mutually exclusive. That's something that I really wanted to avoid. Uh, I actually have a a bit of a background in uh, learning about archetypes. My father was a Jungian scholar, so he was very into the Jungian archetypes. And my mother loved the Myers-Briggs test. (laughs) And so I, as she was actually certified to give this test. So when I was a teenager, I took that test like all the time. (laughs) And, And I hated it because I was an introverted kid. But I wanted to trick it and become an extrovert, and it never it never worked. Oh yeah. And so I I, I wanted to avoid creating a, a framework that would re- that would pigeonhole people. I wanted to build something that was sort of more holistic. Yeah, and I'd add to that. Uh, for instance, I think I'm kind of like a natural and strongest at the type we call an athlete. Uh, I happen to have been an athlete, but an athlete as an entrepreneur is not necessarily someone who's in great shape. But it's kind of the all-rounder, I can do any task. It doesn't matter what the challenge is. The deadline just changed and it's three hours. Great, I will do that. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's my natural type. But I'm also aspired to another type, which is the outsider type. And the outsider one is tries to sort of explore new industries or new new businesses from what we call a beginner's mind. Mm-hmm. and and bring sort of a fresh perspective. And you're always kind of looking to break into something and kind of assume that if they've had this business for a while, you can do it better, even though you start out not knowing anything about it. And mm-hmm. Susanna has a couple of different types. Yeah, I, uh, I'm a maker. I think of myself as a maker. I'm always sort of prototyping and tinkering with things. And I built the, the website and also the ebook. Uh, the ebook, by the way, has a, a different narrative structure from the print book. In the print book, we lay it out chapter by chapter along the, the arc of entrepreneurship from the awakening to the, to the scale up at the top. Uh, but on the ebook, you can actually choose your own narrative. If you like one of the characters, you can just click straight through from, nice. from through all the stages to the end. Uh, I also designed a quiz uh, that's on our website, theentrepreneurspaces.com. You can go there, take the quiz, and find out which which type you are. 
Um, but yeah, so, so makers are kind of iconic types. Um, think of somebody like Richard Branson, who's uh, just spun off dozens of companies. But makers need other types to get them to really maximize their potential. They need, for example, an evangelist who's going to help to tell their story and sell their product uh, because sometimes we've uh, in, particularly traveling in Europe in some places we met tons of makers but nobody who knew how to get their products to market in that ecosystem so that can be a, a, an issue if you don't have the, the complementary types. Mm -hmm. The story I really liked I, and again I, I started reading it I haven't gotten through it all the way I, I just got it recently but one of the stories I really liked was a, a gentleman named Carlos Muela he was in a he was in a family business. Uh, I think his dad had a restaurant. Yeah, and he okay. kind of grew up in that in that environment. I think he went to school. Yeah, Carlos. Uh, Carlos went to this university, uh, University of San Francisco. His father's originally from Madrid, and they have two tapas restaurants in the you know the the Mission, the Barrio Mission in San Francisco. And he studied entrepreneurship at USF. It's a great example of, a, of a, a talented guy who would have gone in his father's footsteps and managed these restaurants, but because of entrepreneurship and because of being in San Francisco, he wanted more. And his father actually supported him in this, in this quest. And they saw that food trucks were starting to get popular about 11 years ago. And they started thinking about it. And then about eight years ago, he did something radical, which had never been done before. He created the first fixed food truck park that was always there, that was built out, and he would cycle through like a dozen food trucks, um, you know, two different shifts, like a lunch shift, a dinner right. shift, and it was wildly successful. Um, and he was the first guy to ever do this. You could say now, oh, that's easy. I could do that. Well, the nightmares he had to go through with the planning commission, because they're at the planning board, they have like 10 different, you know, desks. You have the fire department, you have the electrical, you know, health and safety. Blah, blah, blah. And they'd always looked at him. He's 22 years old. And they say, well, what does this kid want? You know, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he now has two food truck parks and he is a food truck broker. And he has a great relationship uh, with 300 food trucks and he gets awesome. paid Every time he sends these food trucks to, you know, Airbnb and to churches and, and private businesses um, all over the yeah. Bay Area. So Carlos is an example of a conductor. And Joseph, I see a little bit of uh, this type in you. The, <laughs> the conductor is somebody who knows all the players in the network and kind of wants to help them get connected. Um, in Carlos's case, he is also the type that we call the guardian. He's very empathetic and he takes pride in creating opportunities for founders who, you know, in this, in his case might be, you know, the mom and pop who are running the food truck to actually um, uh, excel. And uh, he's built a, a whole, the, the park itself is kind of like a microcosm of entrepreneurship where people get to test their products every day and find out like, do people like this new taco or you know, yeah, pretty wild did it food fall too. flat? Um, but yeah, so it's like the big systems thinker who really gets deep into like 
building out the ecosystem. And he positioned it like near some tech firm. So he was sure to get a lot of business from that. And that, that I think that's awesome. Yeah, it, yeah which actually, this actually goes to another part of our model. So our model is 10 types, but it's also this concept that entrepreneurs go through an arc. They, they have a journey. And, and we mentioned briefly before, you know, you have to awaken. That's great, but you can go back to sleep or you can talk about it all you want to your buddies and friends. Mm-hmm. But you have to make a shift. And then the third step, it's not actually always, you know, one, two, three, but is place. And, uh, you know, we can talk a little bit about Austin in, in a minute, but place for Carlos was exactly what you said. He had to be in the right place. He actually got this abandoned lot that was, you know, actually rats and homeless people and drug addicts. And he got it cheap for that, for that reason. Yeah. Yeah. But it was also next to all these tech hubs, and it was the perfect place for lunch. Yeah, that's awesome. awesome. He, he had to uh, really think that through, and, and, and that's awesome. He was able to kind of figure out that, that, I guess, blighted area and, and, and figure out how to get past those, those hurdles to make it successful. Um, can you, talk, you guys talk a little bit about your travel um, in, in investigating this, you know, talking to entrepreneurs and writing your book, and, and how you chose the, the people to, to kind of focus on? Sure. Well, one thing that we found that was really interesting. So we planned we planned this trip. We planned uh, to go to the first place, and then when we had like a plane ticket over, and we didn't actually have a plane ticket back when we flew to Europe the first time, <laughs> we sort of went, followed our nose, and uh, oftentimes we would just show up in a city like Warsaw, for example, with just one name. Uh, that name would lead us to somebody else. Uh, we would then have, you know, back-to-back meetings for the entire five, three, four, five days we were there. And um, we found that people who, um, people wouldn't have set things up with us like a month before if we had said, we're going to be there on November 30th. Can we have a meeting with you at two o'clock? They would have just ignored us. Mm-hmm. It's more like when you show up and you, um uh, ask for a meeting of an entrepreneur. If they're smart, they'll take that meeting. Yeah, there was some serendipity. We went to the biggest conference in Europe. It's called Web Summit, 80,000 people um, in Lisbon. And the prime minister of Estonia, tiny country, but probably the most advanced tech company uh, country in the world. And we, I actually asked some questions of the prime minister during the press conference. We met the chief innovation officer of this country, who, of course, went to Princeton. And next thing you know, we had these great interviews in Estonia. And two of our 10, you know, wonderful entrepreneurs are Estonians. This amazing woman, Karoli Hendricks, and a physicist, uh, Mait Muntel. Um, so it is we, we wrote the book in an entrepreneurial way too. And I think, you know, entrepreneurs have to adapt to all these changes in the market, changes in their customers. And as Susanna put it, we could not have done a plan for this. You know, we couldn't have done a business mm-hmm. plan and mapped it out. We had to sort of follow our instincts and we had to, you know, hustle along the way. 
That's awesome. And so you said you also say you ran into some uh, cryptocurrency entrepreneurs when you were like in Warsaw or something. That, 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 that was, uh, that Slovenia. was yeah, Slovenia. Yeah, Slovenia. It, it was Ljubljana, which is a beautiful place. It's a it's a wonderful country where they've they've they have no cars in the downtown anymore, even though it's like an ancient city. Um, but that at the time we were there in early 2018, yeah. it, uh, the it was the crypto capital of Europe. And so even uh, the trade minister whom we met and had a wonderful meeting in his offices um, had had taught himself uh, all about crypto so that he could he could commune with better with the entrepreneurs there. Um, so, yeah, we we, we we had some wild uh, dinners. We, yeah. we treated to pretty good dinners. These guys were flying high yeah. because they were sort of instant multi multi millionaires. Uh, but yeah, we, it, Slovenia yeah. is only um, 60 kilometers from Italy, you know, sort of northern Italy. And But an interesting thing about that, too, is that they, they don't have a huge network of investors, right? So for them, like, it's, it was just amazing for them to even conceive of a sil like Silicon Valley and the whole investor network there, because they don't have anything like that, which is one of the reasons that crypto really took off there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you know that, that that makes a lot of sense. We had the, we were talking earlier about a, a, a previous guest. We had the funder is the name of the company, and, and they're helping in the startup investment world. And one of the one of the founders is in in France, and we were just talking about um, investments and VC the VC world. And they just said it's it's a totally different story over there, and it's just really difficult to get funding for startups. Uh, and so that, I've heard that about Europe as well. Yeah, it's true. I mean, you you know the silly money um, you've had in in San Francisco and other places in the U.S. You don't have generally mm -hmm. in, in Europe. Uh, you usually have to have revenue. You know, actually old-fashioned business revenue. Mm -hmm. um, and the, many have been able to get grants. So there have been European grants, but there can be limits and drawbacks to grants because grants are usually tied to specific metrics. And if you if your company changes and pivots, you know, you have a problem because you're trying to meet a metric that isn't really applicable to where you want to go anymore. So yeah. it, it is a different world. And but we were glad to see that because, you know, I, I don't think every city in America, every place has all the, the silly, you know, million, million plus, you know, angel money for a startup. Right, right. Um, so you talk to, you know, quite a few different entrepreneurs, um, you know, all over the world. And you talk about kind of the different personalities they have and their different approaches on, on how they uh, approach a business model. Uh, what kind of similarities did you see between these different folks that you spoke to? Well, I'd say number one, everybody hustles. Everybody, all these people um, had at least two or three times the the other kind of entrepreneur would have failed you know that they had to push through uh you know one of our most successful uh entrepreneurs we call uh, the visionary this is uh risto ladomaski he's a finnish guy he's told us there was at least three or four times he was sort of dead in the water you know he was going to go bust um and he had a really big exit and a big uh, success so i think one big thing they have in common is they they don't give up. I mean, this is why in Silicon Valley, they talk about the team and the team is more important than the tech or the product. 
because it's it's like you know it's like the championship game that lasts forever. <laughs> so I think that Susanna probably has another couple, but yeah, well, the storytelling aspect that we talked about earlier is uh, is super important. You've got to be able to tell your story well if you want to like really hook people and uh, convince not only investors and uh, the market but your own team as well. When you're out there pitching every day, one of the benefits of that is that you end up really convincing yourself of your mission. And then you um, also convince your team that you're the kind of leader that they want to follow. And then it all trickles down from there because they also feel even more, even more committed. I'd also say another thing is we, we found that they had to be sort of open to unusual things. And, and a lot of entrepreneurs have to be super focused. So you sort of cut out, you know, the extras. And this amazing woman, Caroli Hendricks, um, she has a startup uh, called Jobbatical, which is about making it possible to work anywhere in the world and sort of ease the, the visa system. And she told us she had this guy who wanted a meeting and she was going to cancel the meeting because she felt she didn't have time for the meeting. And then she reluctantly took this meeting and it was a hugely important second investor. And she had no idea this guy had any money or whether he was going to be an investor. And he plunked a lot of money into her company. Um, and so she said, never underestimate, you know, who you meet. And yeah. that's another thing. A lot of entrepreneurs you've got to take more meetings and you, you've got to, you know, spend some extra hours on this are the guy we just mentioned earlier, the visionary, he pretended to be living in Silicon Valley in Palo Alto because he was really living in Helsinki and he pretended to live there because no one would take him seriously and hire him, you know, the, the Googles and Facebooks of the world, if he wasn't really in America. So he had this little white lie and what he did is he took a leap of faith and he did almost free jobs for a couple of hot startups. You know, he did it for like one fifth the normal cost. And one of those jobs, he said, led to five million in contracts. Wow. Um, whereas other people were only doing for the sort of big, boring corporate clients. Yeah, kind of playing mm -hmm. by the rules, right? The other mm -hmm. people. And you can't, you just can't do that. You can't, you can't accept the status quo. You can't uh, think about business as usual. And that's another reason that entrepreneurship is so hot right now with the uh, pandemic and people's responses to that, because a lot of people are trying to pivot their way out of a mess, you know, out of a business that's no longer viable. And, and what are your all thoughts on, on generally right now, how important location is kind of during the pandemic right now, given that, you know, a lot of companies are allowing um, employees and, and people, you know, heads of companies to, to work remotely or work from home. So in San Francisco, one of the places people are talking about is Austin. I think there's about five places. Um, and, you know, it's not that far when you compare the whole country. And it's, it's known to have, you know, um, some really great companies, established companies. Um, obviously, one of the things that's happened is a lot of the young, more entrepreneurial people, they want an active lifestyle, right? And, and I think Austin has a lot of that as well. Um, we are believers that you should have a hub 
And you can live in lots of different places in the U.S. now, but you want to sort of create your place. And we think your place is both physical and um, you're going to have to figure out ways to meet, you know, safely during COVID, you know, in a physical way. But you're going to have to create your network. You know, you have to create your community of, of friends, of colleagues, of collaborators. And I think you have to be really active, like proactive. Mm-hmm. And one of the ways that we've done this uh, during the pandemic is we started our own club. We call it the Reset Club. Uh, it's all about, you know, how are you resetting your goals? How are you leading your life now during the pandemic? You know, what, what is, what do you, what's in the in your future? And everyone in that group is, is pretty entrepreneurial. Some are kind of traveling around. They're doing like an Airbnb uh, for a month uh, consecutively in different places or they're, um, uh, we have a couple of friends who just, where do they go down to? They went to Baja in their Sprinter yeah. van. Yeah. Oh, nice. <laughs> but meanwhile, they're still running their uh, ventures. They're both entrepreneurs. Um, There's always good Wi-Fi. You got to have good Wi-Fi. Oh, yeah. And yeah. So it's really important to have this kind of like virtual network of people that you can compare notes with um, who will help you sort of test out your ideas and things like that. What, what we don't believe in, for instance, you know, there are some wealthy VCs who have bought, you know, sort of third homes or probably fourth homes in, you know, the famous Lake Tahoe. Right. And, mm-hmm. you know, They've got plenty of money. We, we think you need to be in a place where there is more of a community of entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. And we think there will come a time when you will be easier to meet people in person. And we know that that really works. I mean, the top 20 cities in entrepreneurship in the world are, they're all cities, you know, they're not, they're not, you know, resort places of a few thousand people. Mm-hmm. Sure. Both of you have been in Austin. What, what are your thoughts? I love Austin. I feel like it it uh, just it's a great place for entrepreneurs because it's uh, pretty open minded and um, pretty progressive and people are not just sort of accepting business as usual there. Yeah, you know, I think um, I've been uh, once I've been nearby and a few other places in Texas. And, you know, there, there, are, there are some parallels, I think, in general between Texas and California. There's a lot of ambition in both places, right? And there's the, the belief. Actually, I think, you know, Texas might think it's bigger than California, right? But um, <laughs> so, so there's, a, there's a belief in scale, right? There's a belief that you can and, and, and a lot of states don't have that, right? A lot of cities don't have this belief that you can create something amazing and huge. Um, and I think that's, that's necessary. And I think, you know, Austin has some great conferences, obviously, some you know, amazing, you know, obviously music and, and festivals and people, you know, especially younger entrepreneurs are looking for a more full life, Right. And, and that is part of it. And they're, they're looking um, to mix with other interesting people. And I think Austin seems to be attracting a lot of people, not just from here, you know, in the Bay Area, but other parts of the U.S. And I think that bodes well for the city. Excellent. I, I totally agree. Um, how, can you tell us how, how uh, COVID-19 has kind of affected you, y'all's, uh, both of you professionally during this time? Well, so, as, as, as I said before, you know, we're, we're uh, moving forward. We're just, we're always moving. We've got a lot of different projects. Uh, we've been um, uh, working on our website and marketing the book, of course. 
but uh, some new opportunities have come up. We just became entrepreneurs in residence at a consulting firm in Portugal. We uh, lead a lot of uh, international events. Uh, so working, uh, doing workshops for people, helping them to kind of increase their own self-awareness and build teams. Um, in both in Portugal, we just did one last weekend in India. Um, yeah, so I, I'd jump in and say, that's kind of interesting to us because we think the pandemic helped us to make this international move more because, you know, it didn't really matter where someone was. And, you know, there is a time difference. Um, I've done a couple of events in China and, you know, it's, you're, you're doing your event at 10 or 10.30 at night and you're doing your event in Portugal at 7 or 7.30 in the morning, right? Uh, so you, you're at sort of both ends of the candle. But what it does is you start to see, wow, you know, Portugal, we're going to do more there. It's a very entrepreneurial country. Um, it's, it's small. Um, you know, they have big hubs and they try harder and they work harder, you know, and you can potentially partner with people there. And the wages are, of course, much lower than the U.S. Um, but I think what we've seen is that you can do a little exploring. So as a, instead of being sort of stuck at your, in your house or, you know, your apartment, you can say, you know, where else can I connect with people? And I think it's clear we're going to need to do that for a while. And I think that's one of the opportunities. Yeah, one other thing I, I want to mention is that I've also been actively reskilling myself. I'm, I'm halfway through a certificate program at Harvard in instructional design. Um, one of the things that I aspire to do is create more online courses, executive courses. I built one already around the book. So just kind of to get that out there and help people find their face if they can't connect with us uh, in a workshop or just individually. That's great. It's just so fascinating to see all the different opportunities that have opened up because of this for, for business people or people in the business world um, and just kind of different different things they can do. And I feel like people are even getting more connected, uh, being able to, to kind of uh, communicate, you know, remotely. Yeah, we're, you know, part of our, hopefully, um, the message of our book is, it's, you know, you have to take agency for this, you know, it's, it's your job. Uh, you know, obviously, you're, you're, if you're with a company, your company can only do so much right now for you. Mm -hmm. And uh, we also believe that as you learn about these types, you know, as, as you learn who you are, you also learn who you aren't. And then you, you really appreciate and want to work with and collaborate with people with other skills. And you become a, a, a sort of a higher awareness of that larger picture when you're creating a team. Yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely cool to see how uh, different personalities mesh. Just Ben and I, too, we, we both have very different personalities and, uh, and we bring different strengths to, to, to the podcast. And, it, and it's just uh, interesting to see people's personalities and how they work together. Oh yeah. Um, kind of getting close to wrapping up, what kind of advice would you both give to uh, a young entrepreneur getting started uh, right now with, if they have an idea or they have uh, something they want to work on, um, especially right now during, during the pandemic? Well, we, we have these seven stages, you know, the, the first is the awakening. That might be the idea or the idea that leads to the idea. And you got to start doing stuff. You know, you, you, you've got to go through what we call a shift. You've, you've got to find your place. You know, maybe that's Austin or another city. 
um, you have to actually get the idea out there. And I think that's the biggest place where entrepreneurs sort of need a kick in the pants is <laughs> you, you get it out there in a primitive sense and see if people will pay for it. Um, and if they won't, you know, you, you uh, I think Susanna would say you flurn, right? You, you learn from the failure <laughs> like and, it. and you try something different. And in the book, we talk about Stanford Launchpad, which is actually just a class and it is run by a guy who's a maker. So he's a super prototyper, but he applies prototyping to sales, which we find really interesting. So he makes them really prototype their sales offering mm -hmm. and to simplify it and to try to find the one thing that people will pay for. Nice. So, so I think that's a, a, a big thing. Yeah, I would just also say uh, to young entrepreneurs that there's there's a lot of empowerment and self-awareness in knowing who you are, what you're good at, what is what are the superpowers that you have and can tap and can bring and acknowledge your shortcomings too. And then collaborate with people who have those complementary skills. Um, and either way, once you once you know what you're good at and what you want to get started on, Figure out how to tell the world and how to tell your story in a compelling way that is going to convince people to believe in you in the same way that you believe in yourself. That's great advice. And, um, and entrepreneurs should also read your book. Yeah. <laughs> we agree. It's yes. on Amazon. Yeah, it's on Amazon. You can also check out our website at theentrepreneurspaces.com. Yeah. The full title of the book is The Entrepreneur Spaces, How Makers, Visionaries, and Outsiders Succeed. So look for that yeah. um, online. We, Find us on LinkedIn. Uh, happy to connect with people uh, on Twitter. We love, uh, we love reviews uh, on Amazon. We also <laughs> we love to hear people's type. So, you know, if you take the quiz or read the book, we'd love to hear... Um, because we, what we're trying to do also is start collecting more stories of entrepreneurs that, you know, fit the different types. Mm -hmm. So we're, you know, a little more sort of open source. We're, we're hoping to get um, a little more breadth of different kinds of jobs and, and businesses. Absolutely. Well, I, I just started reading the book and I'm, I'm loving it. Uh, and I will definitely uh, give you some feedback when, I'm, when I get done with Excellent. it. And uh, I will put all the information about your website and the book in our show notes so uh, listeners can check it out. I highly encourage all listeners to, to buy the book and, uh, and learn about uh, some great entrepreneurs. Jonathan Littman, Susanna Kemp, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and, and sharing your story and, uh, and your journey in writing this book. And I uh, really appreciate you having you on. Thanks, Joseph. Thanks, thanks. Ben. It was a pleasure. Thanks, Ben. Thanks, yeah. Joseph. Thank thanks, you very Paul. much. It's great meeting you.